Amen, amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Why don't you grab a seat? And uh, we're in for a, a big day today, actually. Now, why don't you have a, have a look at the screens? We're going to see what's, uh, what's happening. Have a look. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32. Go for deploy. Lift off, the battle has cleared the tower. Over. Roger roll, Discovery. Discovery, go at throttle. Godspeed. Hatchet, nice to be in orbit. Well, good morning. Who's ready for Launchpad? Are you ready? I hope you're ready. I hope you're not just saying you think you're ready. Listen, welcome. Welcome. It's great to have you here today. If you're somebody who's new here today, my name's Dean. I'm one of the pastors and just want to welcome you here. It's great to have you. You've come on a, a great day if you want to get a bit of a glimpse at, at what we're all about as a church. Because we're starting a new, we're calling it a series Launchpad, but this is more than kind of just another series. This is actually about a, 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 the next kind of four weeks together for us as a church is about preparing, is about getting ready for what we believe God has ahead for us. And so we're, we're going to be talking about just the, we believe God's calling us into some things. And uh, and this four weeks is about getting ready. It's like kind of coming to the launch pad and getting ready for takeoff. And so we, you know, I, I'm pretty stoked to, about the series for lots of reasons, but I love kind of talking about um, space shuttles and rockets and things like that. Now, some of you don't know this about me, but I was at one point in my life part of kind of an elite group of young men and women who were being trained uh, through a program started by NASA to be that kind of next generation of astronauts. Now, a lot of you don't know that about me. Now, I was about eight years old <laughs> at the time, and, uh, and it was elite. It was limited to any eight-year-old boys and girls who wanted to stay after school. <laughs> and, uh, so it was, pretty, it was pretty limited to anybody who wanted to show up. But anyway, it was... It was, it was a program called Young Astronauts, actually, and it was at the school I was at, so it was about, you know, kind of, uh, you know, if you wanted to, to be an astronaut, and so at that point in my life, I did, and then uh, by the time I was 10, they said, you have to be good at math and science, and <laughs> I was just kidding, that, that dream died quick, I can tell you that, but, uh, but I actually, I, I loved it, and I did, I did excel a bit, you also, I didn't, you might not know this about me as well, but I actually did, I won a significant kind of honor, I finished kind of third place place in a draw and color the solar system contest and so I'm yeah I know thank you I, no seriously stop 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 it's I know I know it's, it's a big deal it's a big deal I know a lot of people are you know talking about anyway anyway it was, it was a long time ago we're moving on but uh but I you know one of the reasons I, I kind of wanted I, I actually did want I went to that thing and 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 loved it because you know there's just something about kind of rockets and space shuttles and kind of explosions and liftoff that's just cool, isn't it? 
I mean, there is something about it. You watch that video and the, the, the explosion that's happening, the kind of energy and the thrust that is kind of pushing down against the ground, lifting this thing up into the air, breaking gravity out into orbit. Like, that's just cool. And when you watch those rockets fire up and all that fire come, you know, I mean, it's just like there's something about those kinds of explosions that you kind of can't help, but no matter whether you're a young kid or whether you're older, you just kind of stop and want to look at it. It's like, wow. You know, people turn out just to watch lift off, you know, watch videos of the movies. It's like, it's just this incredible moment. It's an explosive moment. It takes a tremendous amount of force, an explosion, to break the pull of gravity and to launch something into the sky, into orbit, into outer space. It takes an incredible explosion. Can I tell you something? The reason we've called this moment in our church, this, this kind of season launch pad, is because we're trying to get ready as a church for an explosive moment. We are about to launch uh, a brand new campus for the first time up in Marowa, uh, a whole community hub, all kinds of things are going to be happening, places we've never been before, doing things we've never had the opportunity to do before. We are launching that in just a couple of months. We're not only thinking about what are we launching up there, but we've begun to really try and dig in as a church to say, what would it look like to start anew, to launch a fresh if Jesus was calling us on mission in this camp here, Molo, how do we make sure we don't just sort of think, well, let's just do things. No, what does it look like to launch once again what God's called us right here in Mullaloo? Through all this, we're even dreaming and, and praying and saying, God, what would it look like to launch a third campus? That plus one and just saying, God, the mission you've called us to is probably bigger than we realize. And how do we prepare to be a part of what God's calling us into? I want to tell you something. Sometimes when we do new things as a church, we say, you know, this is going to be like a new chapter. It'll be like we're going to turn the page and start a new chapter as a church. This is not going to be like a let's flip the page and start a new chapter. We're trying to launch a rocket in this next season. We're trying to launch ourselves somewhere we've never been before and believe that actually this is what God has called us to, has invited us to, is asking of us. This is the mission he set out for us. And so this four weeks is going to be about saying, are we ready? Are we ready to join the mission God has for us? How, what's it going to look like to be part of an explosive moment? And so as we kind of unpack what this looks like today, we're going to be looking at one of the most explosive stories uh, in the scripture. It's a great story. If you've heard it before, you, you, you love it. This, this is a story that just kind of never gets old. If you've, you know, never heard this story, never been to church or gotten into the Bible, there is this incredible story of a guy named Elijah on Mount Carmel. How many people love that story? Come, come on. It just, it is this incredible story where, where there is this explosive moment. And God does something that only God can do. And we're going to kind of unpack that. Look at what's kind of the anatomy of being part of an explosive moment. How do you be a part of one of those kinds of moments? Because explosive moments, the kind of moments that make people turn their head, turn their eyes and say, wow, something just happened there that's way out of the ordinary. Something beautiful, something incredible. Who wouldn't want to be part of that kind of moment? So we're going to look at the story of Elijah, kind of figure out what this looks like for us. And the story of Elijah takes place at a point in Israel's history where 
a bunch of the people of Israel. Israel was a, a, a community of people, a nation of people who had been called by God himself to represent him in this world, to be his people, to show the world what he's like, that he would bless them so they could bless the people and the, the world around them. But they had come to a point in their history where many of the people had turned from the God who had called them to this high calling in life, and they'd begun to follow other kind of gods. This is 5,000 years ago. It's a, a polytheistic, ancient Near East environment, and many of the people were sort of like, ah, we don't think, you know, the God who called us is also good anymore. We're not, you know, kind of still following. And they started turning. And this moment takes place where Elijah is going to kind of come to them and say, we got we to gotta figure out what's going on here. We're going to sort this out. So we're going to have a look. Let's start in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. Here's, here's what happens. Elijah sees this situation. The people have turned to God. And he says, here's what we're going to do. He says, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. He says, bring everybody together. People have been going different ways, doing different things. Bring everybody together and meet me on Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. These were these other two gods people had turned and, and were starting to follow. And there's, there's 850 of their prophets. He's like, hey, you bring your 850, I'll bring me. Gather everybody and here's what we're going to do. It says, so Ahab is king. He sent word throughout all Israel. And he assembled the prophets. Everybody come together on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long? Such a great question he asked. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. The people said nothing. Elijah's going to ask the people, he's basically going to ask, this whole story is going to hinge on this question of who is God? Elijah says, if the Lord is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. But let's just establish once and for all, who is God? You see, whenever it says the Lord, like it did in those verses where it's capitalized, and many of you know this, but, um, you know, whenever it says the Lord, it's not used in a general term. That's there because in the Hebrew, it's using God's proper name, his first name, the name he gave to Moses. When Moses was rescuing the people out of Egypt, and he says to God, who should I say sent me? What's your name? What am I going to tell them? God says, you tell them, I am who I am has sent you. This is God's like, this is my name. In Hebrew, it's, it's just four letters, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh is how we might say it. And it just means I am who I am. God's like, what's my name? My name is I am. I just, uh, like you am what? I am. I am existence. I am life itself. I am the one who made everything. I just am. I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. Everything is in me. You want to know my, my name is I am who I am. This is God. And so whenever we see the Lord, that that's what it's, this is God's name. And the question in the story is, who is the real God? Is it I am who I am? Or is it Baal? And Elijah says to the people of Israel, you just got to, don't back and forth in your life. Oh, maybe I'll follow, you know, the Lord. Maybe I'll follow Baal. He says, how long are you going to waver? Just figure out who's God and start to follow him. This is the central question of life for every human being. You know, we might look and say, oh, it's just kind of 
weird. Yes, Baal, God, I mean, these people, they weren't obviously nearly as advanced and smart as we were. Why do they even, how does this even happen? The, the central question for all human beings is who is God? And God in your life is whatever and whoever you give absolute priority over everything. God is what you say, this is God, this is most important, and everything else finds its place in my life after that. God is what is, you know, what I seek first in life. God is my, and, and, and we look, and we got Baal, can I tell you something about Baal? The thing about Baal and Asherah was they were kind of the, the gods of prosperity in their day. Baal worship always took place in the region of Israel where kind of there was more rainfall and lush, fertile crops. You didn't find people worshiping Baal in the desert where life was tough and hard. But where things were kind of prosperous, people often gravitated to this god, Baal, because it's the god of kind of fertility and prosperity. And we might think it's weird that they gravitate that way, like, oh, they think there's this god. Can I tell you something? How easy is it in life to just kind of be going along, and before you know it, you've swapped out God as that first place in your life, and... Prosperity, comfort, relationship, whatever. So many things can end up creeping into that top spot. And this is a story about who is God. Who is worthy of, of giving your whole life, your whole allegiance to? And Elijah says, if, if it's the Lord, then follow him. And when you put him first, it's amazing how everything else finds its place. And this is what we're created for. So Elijah says, we're going to figure out who is God. And he comes up with this incredible plan for how they're going to do this. He says, here's what we're going to do. It says, Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450. So it's one verse 450. And, and he says, so get, just bring them all. He says, get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. This is how you do a sacrifice, how you do an offering. You take, you know, a, you know, a bull, you'd, you'd cut it up and you'd, you'd butcher it and put it on top of the fire, and then you'd light fire, and that was like a burnt offering to your God. And he says, do it all, but don't do the last part. Don't set fire to it. He says, I'll prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but I won't set fire to it. And he says, and then you call in the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. I will call on I am who I am. And the God who answers by fire, can we all agree that he is God? He says, this is how we'll set. We're trying, who is God? He says, Let's, we're both making an offering. You call the name of your God. I'll call on the name of mine. And whoever answers by fire, let's just agree. I mean, they must be God. That's an impossible in human terms, kind of situation. And so Elijah's like, this is how we'll establish who God is. We're going to create a moment. We're going to create a space for God to do what only God could do. And he says, and whichever one is, you know, let's follow him. So everybody says, this is good. We like it. We're up for that. You know, they've all, he's like, okay, all right. We think this is a great plan. So watch what happens. In the next section, so... They took the bull. So the prophets Baal, they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, chopped it up, put it on the fire, put it on the wood. Uh, not fire yet, but on the wood, on the altar. It says, and then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. It's like this moment of, you know, you've invested your life, and you've been following something and going after it, and you ultimately find out, actually, it was futile. It was a mirage. They danced around the altar they had made. 
At noon, they keep on calling. At noon, they're still going. Elijah begins to, and this is one of my favorite verses in the scriptures. It says, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. To taunt them. I, I'm someone who enjoys a little bit of trash talking in a few contexts. Uh, you know, only where appropriate, of course. But sometimes people be like, come on. You know, don't talk so much smack or trash. And I say, hey, 1 Kings 18, 27 says... Elijah began to taunt them, and I find myself, you know, you, you, you feel like I'm being mean. I'm just trying to be prophetic anyway. So, just kidding. All, all completely uh, unhelpful things to say. <laughs> At noon, but Elijah begins to taunt them because he is so clear. He knows their God is not a real God. He begins to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy. Or maybe he got a good deal on scoop of the day and he's traveling. <laughs> maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. This is, I love this moment because Elijah is just like, he's just kind of taunting them. He is so, now realize this about Elijah in this moment. The stakes for him are literally life and death. If this scenario does not end with his God being shown to be the true living God. He will be put to death. He will be the next thing put onto that pile. There's 450 of them. There's one of him. That's how it will go down. So he's actually in a life or death moment. But so great is his confidence and faith in God that he is just taunting these guys. I don't know. I just kind of picture him. It's not there, but for whatever reason, whenever I read those verses, I picture Elijah has like a beach chair. And like he's just laying down and has like a straw. Like you can't even hardly see his face. He's got a straw hat and some sunnies on and, a, and like a Hawaiian shirt. And he's just like laying there. And maybe he's got a drink that's like in a coconut or a pineapple. And he's just like, come on, shout louder, guys. Surely he is a God. Maybe he's just thinking deep thoughts, you know, or he's busy. You know, the busy, and some of you know this, it's actually talking about maybe he's like going to the bathroom. He's relieving himself. That's literally what he's using an expression to say, you know, maybe, you know, maybe he's a man camp last weekend. He ate too much steak and not enough veggies. And that's, so just keep yelling, you know, or maybe you should just give him a minute. You know, I mean, he is literally, this is what Elijah's doing. And he's just chilling. Maybe he's sleeping. Just wake him up. Come on, wake him up. And he's just so confident. So great is his faith that he serves the God who is. That I am who I am. And he knows there is no other God. He says, so they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. And then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. And this is where he starts. So he gathers all these people. They've walked away from I am who I am. They've walked away from God. He says, come on, guys, come here. And they came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord. 
The worship had broken down. The altar had been destroyed, had been torn down. And he starts by repairing that altar. And Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. This is the God who called you, who formed you, who made you a people to worship him. And it says, With stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, in the name of I am who I am. And he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seahs of seed. And he arranged the wood. And he cut the bull into pieces. And he laid it on the wood. He builds the altar. He prepares the sacrifice, the offering. And it says, and then he said to them, he's like, I'm just going to throw a little something, something on this. He says, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said. And they did it again. They're like, Elijah, have you ever built a fire before? And he's like, listen, do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it the third time. And the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. Elijah is saying, in this moment, not only is it an impossible moment, I'm going to make absolutely certain that no one will ever have a question about what went down on Mount Carmel. He's like, no one's going to be able to say, when this is all said and done, that you know what? It had been drought season. Things were dry and dusty, and maybe Elijah just, you know, kind of had a match in the bottom of his robe. And, you know, nobody's going to be able to say, one of the, you know, one of the prophets, the bale in the back was kind of smoking a cigarette and just threw it down, and boom, that's what Elijah's like, no, no, no. No one will ever have any doubt. No one will ever have any question. We are going to put so much water on this fire that it will be incredibly crystal clear who is responsible for what's about to happen. And verse 36 tells us what happened at the time of sacrifice. The prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today. This is what it's all about. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. That this whole deal is yours, God. You're the one in charge. It's your idea. I've been doing what you told me. This is all about you, God. This is all about letting it be known that you are God. And then he prays in verse 37, answer me, Lord. Answer me for this purpose so these people will know that you, O oh Lord, the great I am who I am. I will be who I will be. You, O oh Lord, are God. And that you are turning their hearts back again. It's the whole purpose right there. It's what it's all about. In verse 38, it says, And then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and for good measure it licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried. They fell on their faces and said, The Lord, I am who I am. He is God. The Lord, he is God. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. Come on. I mean, praise God. Like, honestly, can you just give a clap for God? Like, if you don't... I'm sorry, like, and it, this, is, this is one of those moments where God is just showing something great about who he is. 
I say clap and praise because I think when you understand who God is, it should move our hearts. It should move us to say, he is God, the Lord. He is God. And there is no other. And there is none like him. And this moment was all about a moment of saying, who is God? The central question of life for every one of us is, who is God? What will be number one in your life? And there are all kinds of false competitors for every one of us of things, sometimes good things, but that try to become God things and, and that make us feel like this is what life should be all about. There are always competitors for that first place in our life. But Elijah says, no, there is only one. There is only one true God. There is only one who created everything. There is only one who is worthy of occupying the place of absolute worship and the focus of your life. And it is the Lord. I am who I am. He created all. He made it all. This whole world only exists because he exists first. He is infinite. He is before all things. He's after all things. He's alpha. He's omega, beginning and the end. This, he is the Lord. And when you actually discover that he is the Lord, you realize this is when he becomes God of your life, when he occupies first place in your life, when, when all your life is about following him. If he is God, follow him, because when you do that, everything else in life finds its place. And no matter how good anything else you try to stick in that top place is, no matter what, when something else occupies the top spot, everything else tends to fall apart. Everything else will fall apart, because only the one who is can occupy that space. He's the God who just, you know who is God? It's just the God who is. He's just, he is. He's I am who I am. Now what I love about this story is this is an explosive moment. I mean, when the fire falls, it's one thing to burn up wood. It's one thing to burn up even the, the sacrifice, the offering. This fire burns up stone. It burns up soil. It burns up water. This was a sight to behold. It was something to see. And it was something that left no doubt in the eyes of anyone who saw it that the Lord is God. It was an explosive moment. And it says they all, they just started declaring, the Lord is God. Now here's what I want you to, to understand about this. And here's why I think uh, I felt God wanted this to be something that would take us into this next few weeks because it, it captures so beautifully what I think God wants to do in our midst, in our day, in our time. There are moments in history and time where it's like fire comes from heaven. God does something that leaves you wondering and, and going, only God could do that. As we start to think about what it's going to be like to launch a new campus, to relaunch here, to actually be looking even beyond what we've ever known. We are, we are not talking about just, we don't want to just do something where it's like, yep, and then we did this, and then we did that, and people can say, well, that's cool. That's what happens when a group of people put their minds to something to do something. No, we want to see something happen that is an absolute explosion. That's like only the fire that comes from heaven. Only if God were to act in that moment does something like that happen. That's what we want to see happen. Because what happens when you're like, why is it got to be so? You know why? Because if it's not that kind of moment, something could happen and people can get confused of who is responsible. We don't want to do something where there's any confusion about who was responsible for what happened. Elijah's like, I'll dump water on this thing. Nobody's going to say it was just because some guy in the back had, you know, an angle grinder on and a, and a spark. He's like, no. 
Nobody's going to say it was Elijah's plan. He's like, no, we are going to create a moment where all, we won't. Because the point of it, the point of it is not, wouldn't it be cool to see fire? The point of it is to see things happen that only God can do. So the people know who only God is. Is uh, Siri had something they wanted to say? That's <laughs> no, just... Just joking. So that's all right. I'm sorry. I know you just like totally bumped your phone. You probably taking notes, and then Siri jumped in, and Siri's like, "How do you send fire from heaven?" All right. <laughs> Siri would be like, "I can't help you with that right now." I tried asking Siri stuff, but uh, but here's what we're gonna look at. Is you want to know Siri? How Siri? You listening? Here's how. Here's how you get to be part of an explosive moment. This story is our little snapshot, and I just want you to see these three things, and they're, they're right there, and, and they're clear, but I just want to draw us our tent. You know what? If you want us to be part of an explosive moment, there's three things we need, and that's a focus, some fuel, and some fire. You need focus, you need fuel, you need a fire. You know the clear focus of this whole passage, the purpose, the whole reason. God doesn't just want to set fire because we like to look at fire. We like to look at fire. We like fire. It's fun. When I was in uh, school studying, I would learn Hebrew. When I was studying to be a pastor, I learned Hebrew. And I thought, I want to learn one thing to say in Hebrew. So whenever somebody asked me, oh, you know Hebrew, can you say something? So I decided I would have this one sentence so I could say it whenever anybody asked me that. Here's my, here's my Hebrew sentence. You want to hear a little Hebrew? Yeah. This doesn't actually occur anywhere in the Bible. This is my sentence. V'shalakhtiyesh <laughs> I thought, if there's one thing I want to remember in Hebrew, uh, and, and I thought, I'm just going to make something. It doesn't ever appear in the scriptures, but I was able to take what I learned of it. And what that means is, I will send fire upon you. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that's just kind of fun. It's a little Old Testament-like and uh, easy to remember. And so if somebody ever says, hey, say something in Hebrew, I can say, I'm going to send fire upon you. <laughs> you know, I just thought, here's the point of that. We like stuff like fire. We like to light fires. We like to look at fire. We're like, that's fun, you know? We like to, to just like, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if you could just send fire and call it down? Even a couple of Jesus' disciples like, hey, can we call down fire from heaven? Because, you know, like we just, we get tired. You know what? The point of this was not, hey, wouldn't this be cool? The point of this is that one clear purpose and focus is this is God's focus is to let people know who is God. That has to be our focus. If we're going to be part of an explosive moment going forward, as we talk about the things we can do and the ways we can come together and everything that will come these next few weeks, never, ever mistake this. It all has one purpose at its core, to demonstrate to the world who God is so that people's hearts might be turned to him again. This is why we exist. It's why we're a community. It's what Israel's purpose is supposed to be. It's why we come together as the people of God. We are trying to, to light a fire in this world that demonstrates to people this is who the living God is. So that they turn from all the things we get caught up in this world, be it prosperity, be it comfort, be it, you know, whatever. So that people can turn from the things that do not give life and turn to the one God who is life and find life. So that a fire actually begins in their heart and in their soul and ignites something that they come to life as never before. This is our focus. This is our purpose. Everything else, we will talk about how we do it. It exists for that reason, to make known the one true living God who is. That's how you have an explosive moment. That's an explosive moment worth having. And you need fuel. And this is what you see in this story. You need fuel. 
God didn't just send his fire any which spot, any which direction. He called Elijah to build an altar, to bring the wood, to grab the stones, to, to cut up the, the offering. He, he built an altar, and that was the space, the place where God would do a miracle, where God would send his fire. He doesn't just send it anywhere. God doesn't need us. He's the God who is. He doesn't need anybody, but he invites us to play a part in what he's doing in this world. And he was the one. Elijah says to himself, God gave me these instructions. God asked me to do this. God told me. This is all by him, for him, his idea. But nevertheless, it was Elijah who was called to build that altar, to create that space. We can't make fire, but we can be people who bring the wood. The fire, at the end of the day, we can bring everything we want. If fire doesn't come from heaven, if God doesn't do something, if God doesn't send down fire from heaven, if he doesn't stretch out his hand and, and come down, from the heavens, then nothing of significance will happen. The whole thing turns when Elijah steps forward and then prays and says, God, let it be known, let it be known that you alone are God. You alone can do this. You want to see an explosive moment, there's got to be this focus. The point of it is not for our good pleasure or fun or anything like that. It's about Letting people know who God is because he's a great God. He's a good God. He made you. He loves you. He wants to turn your heart to him. He knows that only in him will you find life. That's our focus. And you got to have some fuel. You got to say, here's what we're going to bring. Here's where we're going to build. This is the space where God can move. We can't bring the fire, but we can bring the wood. And then we just are people who say, you know what, Lord, we're going to build this. We're going to do whatever we can do. We've done what we can do, but God, only you can send fire. And we ask that you would move that your hand would be moved, that you would do something that only you can do. And when those three things come together, you get to see an explosive moment take place. All the people who had gathered begin to say, the Lord, he is God. They, their hearts are turned back to the Lord. It's an explosive moment. And I believe what God is calling us to as a church is he saying, would you come to, would you be part of an explosive moment that helps people know that I am the Lord and there is no other, that hearts might be turned to me, that people might find salvation in me, that the light and the fire of their hearts would be ignited, their hearts turned to the one true living God. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that kind of moment? Who wouldn't want to be part of it? And this next few weeks is going to be about saying, how do we bring these things together? Now, I wanted to leave you with one kind of lasting picture of this, an image of this. I searched YouTube and online. I was looking for a video of what happened on Mount Carmel. But it was, turns out it's before the era of mobile phones. <laughs> and so I don't know if it got captured somewhere, but people took a lot less video uh, in Elijah's day. So there was no videos. So I was... I thought, this is disappointing, but I won't disappoint the people. And I thought, I'm going to find a, a, a snapshot of what it looks like to be part of an explosive moment. See, last weekend, there's about 80, 90 men from this church away at man camp. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and let me tell you something about man camp. I was want to grunt there. If we, <laughs> so, let me tell you something about man camp. 
One of the great moments every year at man camp is this bonfire. And it just seems to grow every year bigger and better. And while I could not find a snapshot or a video of Mount Carmel so many years ago, I do have for you a little glimpse that I think, that I want you to, when you think about what are we doing as church, what does an explosive moment look like? Where are we going with those? I'm going to give you one picture to walk out of here, and it will carry you through this series as we think about what it means to be part of an explosive moment. This is what it looks like to see an explosive moment. Moment. Let's have a look. Do you want to see an explosive moment? Let's have a look. Let's have a look. So this is Saturday night. Getting the fire ready. We needed machinery. Now that's a bonfire. You see how small those people are? <laughs> that's a fire. Now, here's our youth pastor Riley Turner dumping water all over the fire. Can you believe it? He's dumping water. All the, oh wait, that's ex, we call that accelerant on man camp. That's that's some accelerant. an explosive moment. <laughs> Come on. Oh, oh, oh. I got to tell you, that's the next best thing for a video. If you couldn't get Carmel, that was the next best thing. And, uh, and I want to leave you with that snapshot because uh, you know what? Uh, when you see an explosive moment, I mean, it just takes your breath away. Like, you're watching that. You're like, oh, ooh, ah. I mean, we can, you can watch that all day. I can watch that all day. Something about, especially with, like, the subs going and every, like, that was an explosive moment. And explosive things call our attention. They turn our eyes. And they make us look from kind of the ordinary and the average. And you're like, you don't see a fire like that every day. I can't even light the fire pit in my backyard anymore. It's so pathetic. You know, it's like, <laughs> like that's a fire. Come on. And I want you to know when we talk about what we're trying to launch, we believe God's, God's calling us not to do something that's like, yeah, that's great. And we'll keep on moving. And that'll be good. Yeah, sure. We open a new campus and cool new things. No, I believe God wants us to be part of an explosive moment. Yeah. The kind of moment that makes people stop turn their heads, snap their heads, and go, man, there is something beautiful about what just took place there. There is something wonderful. There's something kind of, you don't see that every day about that. There's something that makes you say, only if there was a God in heaven do you see something like that. This is what we're going for. And can I tell you something? All we need, all we need, I believe. In fact, I, I believe God is inviting us to this. He's calling us to it. All we need is a focus, and that's what we're about. How can we do something here that's going to help people get pointed to God, to know their creator, to know their maker through Jesus Christ? With, that's our focus. And the fuel. What, what, kind of, what kind of fire are we going to build? You know, that, that fire there was built over time. You know, it's up at the Turner Ranch, and they, they, they took logs and trees and built it and built it and built it. 
Eventually, they couldn't reach the top anymore, so they had to drive that tractor up on the side, up onto a flatbed truck, and lift it higher. That's how that thing kept getting built. More wood, more wood, more wood. The fire is always in proportion to what you build. The more logs you throw on there, the bigger that fire is going to be. God sends the fire, but we build the altar. We bring the wood. And what would happen if? What would happen if, and this is what the next few weeks are about, are about saying, we're on the launch pad. We're preparing. We're getting ready. We want to bring the wood. We want to create the altar. We want to build. And, and at the end of the day, we're not responsible for the fire. That's God's business. But what if we just built the biggest kind of altar, the biggest pile of wood we could, and said, God, now you light it up. Now you do what only you can do. We've done what we can do. This is what we've got. This is what we're bringing. God, do what only you can do. Can you imagine what kind of moment we could be part of? I think God's asking us to see that. I think he's saying to us, he's prepared us, he's, he's brought things together. Uh, it's not by accident that you're here and I'm here and we're here. Whether you just walked in today, God is inviting us to be a part of that kind of moment. And so the one thing we'll be doing across this series is simply asking you to say, would you join the mission? This is our focus. That's the mission. We want to do something that helps point people to Jesus. Would you be willing to join the mission? You know what? We want to build that altar. We want to build that fire. And you know what? God's word tells us, you know what? The, the sacrifice we offer now, he says in Romans 12, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. We don't offer an animal or a bull and I put on it, but we offer our very selves. And so as we think about what does it look like to join the mission, it's simply to say, I'm going to offer the very best of who I am. And I'm going to throw it onto that pile. And I'm going to be a part of saying, God, do what only you can do. We're going to invite you to give you your time. Do you know, this is the most valuable asset every one of us has. Our time. We have a limited amount of time in this world. How are we going to invest our time? And we're going to invite you and ask you and say, you know what? Would you be willing? This launch period, it takes, it takes some time to launch something brand new. And we're thinking about this launch period is about nine months from October till the end of June next year. Nine months to launch ourselves into orbit, into a whole new kind of where God's calling us to be, to launch the mission. Would you be willing to give of your time more, uh, and more than you ever have perhaps before? Maybe you've been reticent to let go of your time and think, I have. would you be willing to invest your time and say, you know what, if you will invest your time in this season, I believe it will make a difference in eternity. An incredible way for so many people. You know, investing your time, I want to encourage you to pray, uh, you know, in your talents, your, the things that, that you're able to do. You know, everyone has different skills and capacity and talents in this world and life. And would you be willing to invest those to say, those are like a log and I'm throwing it on that pile. I'm part of building that altar, building that, building that space for God to do something great. I want to encourage you over the next four weeks to think about where are you going to invest your time and your talents? What campus are you going to plant yourself in and say, I'm a part of this specific community and where God's calling us right here? And, and, and whether you're like, well, I'm, I'm here at Molu and I'm going to stay at Molu. I don't want you just to kind of roll over into the future. I want to encourage you to pray and say, where is God calling you? And, and if it's to stay right here in Molu, it's to go, I'm not just kind of coming to church here. I am joining the mission. I'm giving my time and my talents. And if it's to go up to Marowa and you feel like, you know what? And maybe you don't even live up that way, but you feel like God is saying to you, I want you to plant yourself there, to be part of this nine months this launch, to put your time and your talents into that sphere and that community and, and this group of people. You know, go and don't just kind of, well, that's where I might. Just 
God, where do you want me to invest my time and talents? And we're going to invite you to consider investing your treasure. I mean, between our time, our talents, what we have, and our treasure, the resources, the financial things, whatever God's blessed us with, are we willing to invest of our treasure? And to say, you know what? God, you're the Lord, the Lord Almighty, the God who is. Not served by human hands. You don't need me, but he invites us to be part of what he's doing. And to prayerfully think about over this next few weeks, God, of all that I have, it comes from you. If he's the God who is, from whom all things come, then everything we have is his. It's on loan to us. And would you be willing to say to him, God, of, of all you've loaned to me and asked me to, to manage in this world, what proportion of that do you want me to invest in this season so that there might be this altar that's built, this pile of wood that looks something like that bonfire at man camp that's just stacked up to the sky. And we're just saying, Lord, the best of who we are, of all you've placed in our hands, our time, our talents, our treasure, Lord, it's yours. And we bring it and we say, Lord, now would you do something only you can do? Would you come down? Would you visit us in this moment? Would you, would you light a fire and launch something that causes people to turn their eyes and say, that is something to see. There's a beauty and a wonder, and there must be a living God. This is what this series is about. This is what launching is about. This is what we're going to be exploring over these next few weeks is just inviting every person to join the mission. I want to just pray for you this morning. I'm going to invite the team to come back up. We're going to sing together in a moment. But I want to just pray for you. And I want to pray for us as a church. Because whether you knew it when you walked in or not today, you're being invited into something special, something significant. The kind of moment that does not come around very often. We're not flipping the page in a book. We're not just kind of stepping into a new chapter. We're not climbing into a boat and going to kind of set off on a voyage together gently. God has positioned us to launch a rocket. It's what he's asking. It's what he's inviting. He's saying, hey, would you like to be a part of what I'm about to do? And I want to pray for us and just pray that, you know, and you don't need to you know, kind of, okay, I'll do this. The only thing I'd ask you to do is say, over the next few weeks, would you be a part of just kind of coming here? Let's just track together. Let's just get ready together. Let's think about all the things and how we can each play our part. You have a part to play. We all do. How can we just prepare together for that moment? And I want to just pray in this moment, invite God to begin stirring something, to let a little bit of his fire start to fall on our hearts today. Would you stand with me as I pray? And maybe you just want to open up your hands even in this moment. Just as a way of saying, Lord, I just want to, I want to begin to open my heart to you. I'm going to open the eyes and the ears of my heart to you. I want to receive some of what you've got. This is not going to be about trying harder or doing better. It's about allowing God to ignite something within us to speak to us so that we are able to, like Elijah, say, whatever I've done, Lord, it's been at your command. It's been your idea. It's what you asked me to do. Spirit of God, I ask that in this moment, you would just begin to pour out something fresh of yourself in our midst. 
something that softens our heart and opens our ears to hear your gentle whisper. Something that gives us something of a dream of what you dream. Help us to imagine what you imagine. Help us to begin to see what you see. Help us to hear the, your instructions into our life. And Lord, your instructions to our church. That we might be able to say, all we have done has been at your command. We are just your servants. Lord, to just acknowledge in this moment. You are the Lord and there is no other. You are the God who is. We surrender ourselves before you. Jesus, you are the head of your church. And I pray that even in this moment and in the days and in the weeks to come, you would speak, you would lead, you would guide, you would give instruction. That, Lord, you'd be igniting fresh passion for your mission in this world in us as a church that we might be alive with a, a fresh fire that has come from you. Lord, would you begin to release fresh fire into our hearts, into our minds, into our souls. Lord, into your church that the world might see and know you are the Lord. There is no other and you are God. Hearts turn back to you. Alpha, Omega, beginning and the end. Jesus, we look to you. It's in you is our strength, is our faith. It's in you that we look. It's in you we find our confidence, just like Elijah. Pour it out, we ask. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.